Oh, Father, you know our hearts. We mean what we have just sung to you. Blessed Trinity, you are Father, you are Son, you are Holy Spirit, and you are in our midst right now. Oh, God, we wish to hear your voice and yours alone, so hide mine and all the others. Be front and center. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Anne Lamott, in her newest book, Help, Thanks, Wow, The Three Essential Prayers, puts it this way. There are a lot of prayers in the world, some of them better known than others. The serenity prayer, you know that prayer, don't you? The 12, 12 uh, step groups, the serenity prayer is one of the most famous institutionalized prayers in the world, a greatest hits sort of prayer. The best-known version says, and you're hearing the words in your own mind, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And goes on, there's a slightly different version, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the weaponry to make the difference. She said, but let's not use that one. And she concludes, a sober friend from Texas said once, I thought this was insightful, that there are three things I cannot change. Those three things are the past, the truth, and you. Isn't that true? So here's the question. Can your prayers change God? Is there a prayer that you can pray that can change the mind of God? I mean, come on. Children certainly change their parents' minds, don't they? No, Daddy, please, 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 please. I got to have this. Oh, Mommy, please, 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 please. Our little granddaughter, Ella, is... Three weeks, five days old today. By the way, just take note, this is the first of many illustrations. <laughs> so just get used to it. There are other churches on campus. You want to go there, you don't want to hear about the Ella, just go somewhere else. This is, this is numero uno, the first one. All right. Anyway, we got to babysit. Karen and I got to babysit Ella this uh, last week. Kirk and Chelsea went on a much-deserved date night together. And I've got to tell you, when Ella cries, it's enough to move your heart. Because when she cries, she makes the sound of the crying, of course, and then she goes... That delicate little chin just goes up and down. Oh, it just breaks your heart. And look at it. If it could break the heart of a brand-new grandfather, don't you suppose it could touch the heart of... The father of the universe himself, isn't he moved by our tears? So can your prayer, is there a prayer you can find that can change the heart of God? A prayer that you pray with enough tears, and I mean, they have to be earnest, they have to be honest, they have to be passionate tears, but will it change God's heart? Can you find a prayer? Let's look for the answer. Open your Bible with me to the New Testament book of Hebrews. Book of Hebrews. This is the third and final instance, by the way, of Jesus' prayers. It just turns out this is a little mini-series happening as we went. 
The three times Jesus cries in the Bible. The first time we saw him two Sabbaths ago, that would be what, Luke 19, 41. Triumphal entry, he's on the crest of Olivet, he sees Jerusalem and he just bursts, he just bursts into tears. And when he saw the city, that's how the verse reads, and when he saw the city, he wept over it. We thought about Jesus weeping for the lost. And then last Sabbath, we were with Jesus and Mary and Martha at the, at the mouth to uh, Lazarus' tomb in the shortest verse in the Bible, John eleven thirty five. 35. Jesus wept. He wept over the suffering of his friends, the suffering of a world. Today, it's the last one. There are only three. Hebrews, tears of Jesus. Hebrews chapter 5. You don't have a Bible and you, your, your, your phone and tablet aren't with you either. Grab the, uh, the Bible in front of you, the pew Bible. Uh, look it up. This, this, is, this is a compelling line. This is Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7. I'm in the uh, New International Version. Hebrews 5, verse 7. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions. Here they are, with fervent cries and tears. With fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverent submission. Did you catch that? He offered up fervent cries and tears. In his praying, makes you wonder, is this kind of a, like a repeat pattern? Does this happen every now and then? Or is this, is this that dark but glorious, mysterious, pinnacle moment in the Garden of Gethsemane when he's sobbing into that chilled night earth, begging God, begging him to do something? And you remember the words, we'll just quote it straight out of the Gospel of Mark chapter 14, Abba, Father, Daddy, Father, he said, everything is possible for you, so take this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. Not my will, but yours be done. Wow, the tears of Jesus. C.S. Lewis, who, by the way, listen to this. C.S. Lewis died 50 years ago this next week. How do I know? Because every time you come to the assassination anniversary of John F. Kennedy, it's the same day C.S. Lewis died. When President Kennedy died, November 22, 1963, when he died... The whole world just... And one of the great, great Christian apologists dies the same day, and nobody heard. Nobody. It took weeks to find out. C.S. Lewis is dead. Brilliant mind. C.S. Lewis, in his, in his book, provocative book, uh, Letters to Malcolm, Chiefly on Prayer, I put Lewis's words on the screen. He's talking about this Garden of Gethsemane moment. Watch this. It is clear from many of Jesus' sayings that our Lord had long foreseen his death. He knew... What conduct such as his, in a world such as we have made this one, must inevitably lead to. But it is clear that this knowledge must somehow have been withdrawn from him before he prayed in Gethsemane. He could not, with whatever reservation about the Father's will, have prayed that the cup might pass and have simultaneously known that it would not. Lewis concludes that is both a logical and a psychological impossibility. You can't know that God's not going to answer this prayer and just pretend like it's just, it's just impossible. Jesus is holding out to hope. Jesus remembers the story of Abraham and Isaac, and he knows how God lets this go right to the end. Whoa, it's off. You're, you're free. Stop, stop. Jesus is praying for that. 33, 34 years, I've lived on this planet, Father. Call it off now. I got all the way to here. All you wanted to know was Abraham's heart. You know mine. Let's stop. Jesus believes that God can answer his prayer. And that's why with tears, he is weeping before God. He just doesn't know how the prayer would be answered. By the way, do you know? Do you know? I don't know. I just keep praying. 
So, here's the question. Did his prayer change the mind of God? Answer. It did not. It did not change God's mind. Was his prayer heard? Oh, it just, it just, we just read. It was heard. We've been created in the likeness of the Heavenly Father. A parent hears every sob. I, kinda, I imagine God on that dark Gethsemane night, his own heart breaking over the tears of his boy. Oh, God heard it, but it just didn't change his mind. The prayer of Christ did not change the mind of God. That point is so critical, I wish we... For, for those of us who are headed to our own Gethsemane, you have no idea. I have no idea. Gethsemane still in front of us? Jot this line down. Grab your study guide, please. In your worship bulletin, your study guide and ushers, if we could do this very expeditiously, that would be wonderful in your friendly way, of course. Up in the balcony as well. I want you to have today's study guide. You came in here and you didn't get a bulletin. That's okay. We'll get one to you. We'll get a study guide to you. You're going to want to keep these quotations. And so hold your hand up. They'll see you. And they'll see you. And those of you who are watching right now on a screen, we're delighted to have you. Whether you're uh, live streaming, wherever in the world you are, thanks for coming. On television right now, let me put the website on the screen for you. You can get the same study guide. You see it on your screen now, www.pmchurch.tv. And you're looking for a teaching today, don't cry alone. I left the word Argentina out of it. Don't cry alone. Click onto that. It says study guide. Click onto study guide and you will have the same study guide. You'll have this C.S. Lewis quote as well. All right? Let's go. So let's, let's, I, I want you to get those three, the, the, the three things Anne Lamott writing, three things I cannot change. Let's put that on the screen, please. Fill in your study guide. There are three things I cannot change. The past, how true. You can't change the past. Give it up. The truth, you can't change the truth. It's still true. And you, I can't change you. I can work on me, but I cannot change you. We try, oh, every marriage I know tries so hard. Get change her, change her. You can't. It's impossible. Change him. You can't. All right, three things I cannot change. That's Anne Lamott. But here's the question that we're exploring today. Can prayers and tears change God? So put God in there. Can prayers and tears change God? Thank you, ushers, very much. Hebrews 5, 7, jot it down, just so we don't forget it. Jesus offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears. So he has the, he has the passion. Cries and tears. He offered up cries and tears to the one who could save him from death and, by the way, he was heard. It was not like, well, I didn't hear you. You didn't pray loud enough. You didn't have enough tears. No, I heard you. I heard you loud and clear. But, final one to fill in for now, the prayer of Christ did not change the mind of God. That's the point that we need to grasp together. The prayer of Christ did not change the mind of God. How do we know? Because he died. He died. The one who could save him from death said no. And, by the way, no is an answer just as much as yes is. Sometimes wait is the answer, but they're all answers. You ask God to answer your prayer, you got it. He died. That was the answer to prayer. Which, by the way, I hope, provides a modicum of comfort for those of us who will also get a no from God and not be saved from death. We won't be saved from physical death. We will not be saved from financial death. We will not be saved from marital death. We will not be saved from professional death. We will not be saved from death. Just a small token of comfort can we draw from our Lord's prayer that did not change the mind of God. So the question is, is that good news or bad news? I mean, come on, is this good news or bad news? Please, Dwight. We need to read one more line. That's to answer. 
To find the answer, one more line. Let's begin in verse 7 again. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was hurt because of his reverent submission. Hold on, verse 8. Son, though he was the incarnate God now in a position of a son to the Father. Son, though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. Isn't that amazing? The incarnate God of the universe had to learn obedience. He learned obedience from what he suffered. He learned what, congregation? He learned what? He learned obedience. Fill it in. He learned obedience from what he suffered. Jesus was not born with his divine human circuitry all in place. Luke chapter 2, verse 52, we had to learn this as kids in Sabbath school. And Jesus, say it out loud with me, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. He had to grow into this. He had to mature. He had to learn how to mind. He had to learn how to mind. Is that what we tell kids? You got to learn how to mind. He had to learn. It almost sounds sacrilegious, doesn't it, to talk about Jesus having to learn how to mind. He had to learn how to mind. He learned obedience. From what he suffered. Wow. Three times he begs, he pleads with God to take this cup away. All three times, however, he ends his tearful petition with, but, 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 Father, not what I want, but what you want. Philippians 2.8, jot it down. It's true. And being found in appearance as a man, Jesus humbled himself by becoming, what's that word again? Obedient. Obedient. He had to learn obedience. He became obedient unto death, even death on the cross. As one anonymous commentator put it, keep your pen moving. Submission to the will of God is the great secret of effective prayer. Some of you today have been pouring your hearts out for days. Some of you for months. Some of you for years have not let go of it. I am not leaving this circle. God, I am not leaving this circle until you answer my prayer. Remember that illustration. You're not quitting. There it is. The secret of effective prayer is to submit to the will of God. Keep praying. Your will be done. Keep praying. Oh, please, Father, not what I want, but what you want. I came across this, I came across this uh, startling line this last week, startling for me, because the question that we, we, we began with a moment ago is, look, these, these, this fervent cries and tears, uh, prayer, prayer modus operandi, was that sort of this pinnacle moment, or did he experience it all through his, uh, his life? Imagine my surprise to come across these words. I'm going to put them on the screen. You have them. You'll have to fill it in. The, this is a century and a half ago. The majesty of heaven, while engaged in his earthly ministry prayed much to his father. He was frequently bowed all night in prayer. By the way, frequently, frequently. I used to think, oh, maybe once, maybe twice. Frequently, all night in prayer. The dew and frost of night fell upon his head, bowed in prayer. The condensation of the cold chill is all over his face, his beard, his hair. It's wet as he's bowed before the Father of the universe. His example is left for his followers. In other words, go do the same. Go do the same. None of this five-minute prayer connection. 
You're deeper than that. You've known me longer than that. Give me more. Just you and me alone. This example is left for his followers. Jesus could heal the sick and raise the dead. He was himself a source of blessing and strength. He commanded even the tempest, and they obeyed him. He was unsullied with corruption, a stranger to sin, yet he prayed, and that often with strong crying and tears. Isn't that amazing? Often with strong crying and tears. Good news for those of you who pray the same way. You're too embarrassed to tell anybody, and I don't blame you. Don't tell anybody. But you you, you weep when you pray. Maybe it's, your, maybe it's your personality type. I don't know. Maybe it's mine. I don't know. But there are some prayer, there are some prayer petitions that are so moving to you that in the darkness you just you burst into tears. In the shadows of your own private little prayer closet, you start crying. Why are you crying? In the unseen presence of the Christ who cried, you're crying. Why do you cry? Don't be ashamed. Do not be ashamed of those tears. It's okay to be vulnerable with your emotions with God. Wow. Sometimes we think when we come into God's presence, isn't the way we think? Okay, God. I'm okay. I'm really fine. I'm just fine. No, you're not fine. So quit being fine in front of him. He knows what you are. You don't fool him. You're not, you, think you, can, you think you're fooling him? He says, girl, just be yourself. Boy, come to me the way you are. Talk to me. Cry with me. Big boys do cry, as we just found out. Big boys do cry. Come cry with me. I want to say how deep this is in your heart. I want to say how much you want this. Cry with me. And let me tell you something, little Ella. You cry in God's presence, his heart goes, oh. He's drawn to you. He is drawn to you when you weep. You're not going to use your tears to manipulate him. Get over that thought. Well, I'm going to really... I know some women who use tears, not mine. Uh, My women, because that that would get me in trouble with Karen. But, you know, there there are... I have seen women who are not married to me. Okay, I got (laughs) to... I got... That's not even in my notes, so why am I going there? (laughs) I'm stepping away from that completely. But there are some women who use tears. Come on, in the professional realm even. Come on. The ancient Rabbi Yehuda, let's move on. The ancient Rabbi Yehuda said, I put it on the screen for you, all human things depend on repentance and the prayers which men make to the holy, blessed God. Especially, the rabbi writes, if tears be poured out with the prayers, and I love this, there is no gate which tears will not pass through. There's no gate that that remains barred and shuttered. You come to God with tears, that gate swings open. It doesn't necessarily, as Jesus just showed us, give you what you're asking for, but you get in, you get in, you get in. Don't you ever be ashamed of those tears. It's okay to weep. Remember, by the way, jot this down. I don't don't want you to forget this. Tears do not change God's mind. They change my minding. See, that's the issue. It's my minding. It's not God's mind. His mind is fine. It's my minding that God says, boy, I got to grow you here. You got to learn how to obey. You need to obey a little bit more. The tears, that suffering, it's okay. I need you to mind. You're not going to change God's mind. He wants to change my minding. You see the difference? 
He learned obedience from what he suffered. We learn obedience from what we suffer. Tears do not change the mind of God. They change my minding. Tears teach me how to mind. He learned obedience. Weeping in Gethsemane, he learned obedience from what he suffered. Some of you are suffering right now. Let me run through a list of known sufferings in this intimate community. Some of you right now are pleading with tears to God for your health. You are pleading for your life. You know it. He knows it. You keep pleading. You keep pleading. With tears you plead. It's okay. Some of you are pleading for a runaway child. You've been pleading for years, Mama, until you have no tears left. Keep pleading. Every tear he sees. Some of you today are pleading for a conflict re resolution before it all breaks into a thousand shards. That friendship, that relationship, that marriage. Keep pleading. Keep pleading with tears. Pleading for deliverance from an addiction. That's some of you. Pleading deliverance from an addiction. Don't quit pleading for that deliverance. It is already God's will. You know that. Pleading for financial deliverance. Pleading for spiritual deliverance. For some, for some moral breakthrough that will set your heart free. Could it be your tears are a gift from God? He's actually drawing you into the tears. He needs the fervent prayers, not for his sake. He loves you. Your tears don't convince him to love you. He loves you. If you were the most tearless person on earth, he loves you the same. The tears don't win his heart, but they can change your heart. And could, he be, could it be he's just drawing those tears? Come on, cry for me. Cry with me. How do we learn obedience? We learn even as Jesus did. He learned obedience through what he suffered. And what was the cause of his suffering? Get this. The cause of his suffering is he didn't get what he asked for. That's what makes you suffer. You don't get what you wanted. You don't get what you believe is the right gift from the Father of the universe. This is your will for me, I'm sure. And you don't get it. Silence. It's as if... Suffering. When we don't get what we want, what we believe is right, we learn obedience through suffering. Desire of Age is describing this Gethsemane moment. Notice how Jesus comes, how he presses into that black night. As a Desire of Age put it on the screen, three times he has uttered that prayer, Father, take it away, take it away. Three times has humanity shrunk from the last crowning sacrifice, but now the history of the human race comes up before the world's Redeemer. The woes and lamentations of a doomed world arise before him. He beholds its impending fate, and his decision is made. He will save man and woman at any cost to himself. He accepts his baptism of blood, that through him perishing millions, billions may gain everlasting life. He has left the courts of heaven, where all is purity, happiness, and glory, to save the one lost sheep, the one world that has fallen by transgression. And he will not turn from his mission, no matter what it will do to him. And he is convinced it means cut off forever from God. He will not turn from his mission now. Oh, love that will not let me go. He held on. 
This prayer now breathes only submission. If this cup may not pass away from me, Abba, Father, except I drink it, thy will be done. End quote. It was not the answer he was hoping for. It was the answer he got. And he embraced it. That's how we learn obedience. Through what we suffer and through our tears over God's no comes God's lessons. Come our learnings. Thus it is we have to keep praying on and on and on. One more quotation. Philip Yancey writes this in his book, Prayer, Does It Really Matter? I tell you, that is just such a powerful book. He really struggles with prayer. A person prays, he's quoting Augustine, the church father. A person prays, said Augustine, that he himself may be constructed, not that God may be instructed. And I thought that was rich. That's this whole thing. You're not going to change my mind. I want to change your minding. I'm working on you. You're not working on me. I love you. You don't have to change me. I'm wanting my will for you. Keep reading. This, this is good. I examine, Yancey writing, I examine my own erratic prayer life and see it as a time when God has indeed worked to lop off the protuberances, those are little, little outgrowths that are kind of ugly. He, God uses that to lop off the protuberances and smooth the rough edges of my heart, my life. I see defeats and victories both in my prayer life. Like a child, now this really gets good, now watch. Like a child who quits badgering a parent, I have sometimes found that I get an answer to my persistent request after I have learned to do without it. Isn't that something? I finally find out, you can, I can, I can, I'm okay. I can live without this. Keep reading. The answer then comes as a surprise, an unexpected gift of grace. And then this is choice. I seek the gift. I find instead the giver, capital G, giver. I seek the gift. I find instead the giver and eventually come away with the gift I no longer seek. Isn't that good? I have you. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is no one on earth, nothing on earth I desire besides you. Asaph in Psalm 73. You're all I want. You're all I want. Three times, Paul says, God, you have to take this thorn away. It's killing me. It's killing me. Three times the word comes back. No, my grace is sufficient for you. And finally, Paul says, when I, I got it, and I said, I have you. And that's all that matters. Wow. So I've been on a prayer journey myself these last few seasons into last spring. And for some reason, these, <laughs> bears to tell you, but these seasons have been awash at times with tears. I mean, circumstances sometimes have left me absolutely dumbfounded with God. What, what were you thinking? Why'd you do this? You just sat there? Is this what you had in mind? And I must confess, honesty, that in the beginning the tears were of self-pity. Self-pity. And by the way, self-pity is always of the devil because it's of self. That's, where, that, that's his modus operandi. He operates only out of self. And I read. But as the time has gone on, the tears, and I say, God bless God. Do you ever, do you ever say that? God, God bless God. I mean, please, God bless God. As the time has gone on, 
the tears have turned out to be a gift of grace. It's like this old Ira, this old Ira Stanfield hymn. Now put the words on the screen. You have in your study guide. It's such a beautiful hymn. Uh, if I could sing, I'd sing it for you. He washed. Now don't you love this? Just, just look at the words. He washed my eyes with tears that I might see. The broken heart I had was good for me. He tore it all apart and looked inside. He found it full of fear and foolish pride. He swept away the things that made me blind. And then I saw, then I saw the clouds were silver lined. And now I understand t'was best for me. He washed my eyes with tears that I might see. Isn't that beautiful? That's it, guys. Some of you are going through I know, I've talked to you. You're going through, you're going through hell right now. He's washing your eyes with tears. You're going to learn. You, you will learn obedience. He, he, his arms are around you. You're not alone. He's suffering with you. He understands. Don't leave me, girl. Don't leave me, boy. Stay with me. You're going to grow through this. He washed my eyes with tears. And out of it all, God came one day to me and he whispered, Dwight, I'm going to do a new thing. I'm going to do a new thing. Don't ask me for the old. Don't ask me. Ask me for what's new. For I will pour water on those who are thirsty and floods on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your offspring. I am going to do a new thing. Go with me. Stay with me. Stay with me. Keep asking me. With tears, ask me. Water. I mean, what are tears? Water. Streams, rivers, water. I will pour my spirit. It's all the tears. The tears that you have are the Holy Spirit in you watering your prayers. He's watering your prayers. Keep praying that prayer. Keep praying that prayer. Stay with me. Stay with me. I'll never leave you or forsake you. You stay with me, boy. I want to do a new thing. We're running out of time on this planet. I want to do a new thing on this campus, in this congregation. No, yes, but in your heart, I want to do a new thing. So ask me and ask me. How did the rabbi put it? There is no gate which tears will not pass through. And so we've been praying, you and I, God, do a new thing. Please do a new thing on these three campuses. You see, prayer doesn't change God's mind. Ooh, it changes mine, it changes yours, it changes ours. And one day when we look back to this veil of tears on this planet, you look back for your private reasons and I will for mine, but we will look back and through the prism of our tears, we will see the hand of God himself. And I say, Amen. What do you say? No, let me say it again. I say, Amen. What do you say? Amen. Cry on. Weep on. He hears every tear, every fervent pleading. He hears you. He has not forgotten you. He has a new thing for you. Let's pray. Dear God, our Lord sobs in prayer before you, and you answer, no. He received your answer. It was no. We're so used, Father, forgive us, we're so used to thinking that if you pray long enough and hard enough, you finally get the yes. You don't. 
Jesus is clear. You don't get a yes. No is the best answer I have for you. So, Father, yes, no, wait, whatever. We want to be like Jesus. Draw from our hearts the tears that can water our prayers, if that would be pleasing to you. We're not going to be what we're not. We're just us, and we love you. Thank you for loving us and willing to go to hell for us through Jesus in Gethsemane. In his name we pray. Amen.